You're listening to Borderline Idealist. Join us every Sunday for new episodes where we focus on introverts, highly sensitive people, and mental health. Log on to BorderlineIdealist.com for past episodes, blog posts, and to find ways to support us. Together, we can give a voice to introverts and tear down mental health stigma. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Borderline Idealist. This is AJ. Hey, guys, this is Chris. And we have a special guest uh, for you guys. You know, we try to uh, bring other people uh, with BPD and mental illnesses, uh, just have experience with that, onto the podcast. Uh, and we have Adam with us. Uh, All the way from Glasgow. 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 Glasgow, Scotland. Glasgow, Scotland. 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 Hi guys. From Scotland, UK. Uh, We thanked Adam on our our last show for reaching out to us, and uh, he shared that he had a blog with us uh, called BPD Brilliance Perceived Differently. That's pretty. um, A lot of cool stuff on there. I really like you guys to check it out. but Adam, do you want to say hello and introduce yourself a little bit more? Yeah, hi guys. Um, my name's Adam. I um, was quite recently diagnosed with BPD um, after previously being misdiagnosed with sort of depression and psychothymia or, or bipolar too. Um, I live in Scotland. I have done for about six years. Um, but whilst I've been here, I actually started an inclusive rugby team um, in Glasgow, the second in Scotland and the first in Glasgow. Um, wow. we, yeah, we, we play teams from all around the world um, and just sort of create a safe space for anybody uh, to feel like they can get involved in a spot that they've not done before. That When I read that, um, I, th- I think it was on your Facebook page, yeah, I thought that was really ne- amazing. Um, to... Chris was checking out all the guys, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I was on your Facebook page. Oh. Shut up. <laughs> no, it was, um, I, I just thought it was really amazing to create a, um, a group like that, that, you know, especially knowing your background and, you know, the struggles that you've faced and then to take that and kind of turn it into something positive for other people. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really great. always kind of, been there it's helped me a lot um especially with my mental health and with it being a contact sport it's very good to get in sort of a lot of like address now and stuff that you don't <laughs> normally have a healthy or some people don't have a healthy way of managing um so it gives me a, an outlet for, mm-hmm. for things yeah that's really great yeah, usually i just punch a wall or something or yeah <laughs> i was told me <laughs> yeah i was gonna tell me when um one of our first dates was that he d- used to do that before, and that was one of the, my th- flags where I was like, mm, I don't know if I want to be with him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want walls, holes in all the more yeah, walls. Yeah, I used to punch walls and, and doors. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, I just, I don't know, just it, just <clears throat> so many emotions inside of me. Maybe I just, you needed to play rugby. Yeah, maybe, <laughs> maybe I need to play a contact sport. I just feel like I'd get <laughs> run over or something. <laughs> So, um, what are the other ways that um, you express yourself or got some of those, um, what, how do you say that? With those emotions. Those out, yeah. Impulses out. Was through uh, writing, right? Yeah, so obviously I have like good ones and bad ones, um, just like anybody else. My good, good ones um, were usually creative outlets. Um, I went to uni and studied creative performing arts. Um, which is like sort of music, dance, drama, and art. Okay. Um, which is really, really good fun. And we did um, a project in our second and third year where we outreached into um, constituent groups to deliver different type, different types of drama therapy um, to help them with things. So I worked with a group called the Princess Trust. Uh, we worked with a bunch of under 16-year-olds. Mm. Um, and we got them to create a, a drama piece um, completely from scratch, based around uh, substance abuse and how it can affect your life and your family. Wow. You've been really busy. Yeah, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really good fun. Um, it was all voluntary, but it was it was really good fun. And it got us a really good grade as well. Um, we had 
to GetFest on delivering a workshop with the kids and I also saw the performance that they created from it. Um, I've always loved to sort of like sing and dance, whether I'm good or bad is up to anybody else, but um, <laughs> I do enjoy it. And creative writing, writing stories, um, not necessarily poems, I wasn't very good with poems, but um, definitely creative creative writing has it's been a big, a big thing for me as well. Why do you think, why do you think, um, like, cre- like writing and, and creating this stuff is, is beneficial? So I always found creative writing, um, really good because it just, it, it let me get out things that I couldn't say, or I didn't feel like I could say, um, when there's so many thoughts going on in your head, um, and you feel like you can't kind of shut them up or stop them because obviously they they are just there they happen um it was a very good way to kind of let it out without being specific about what was happening mm. <laughs> um so just good at drawing some of that out of me yeah I, that's a the good thing about writing is that you can have like metaphors and <laughs> just kind of put your own thing in there but um it's also cool with with um, writings that that you can write something and then somebody else can read something and get something completely different from it. Um, yeah, Chris does that a lot with my writings. I'm just like, oh, well, I was actually saying something else, but <laughs> <laughs> okay. Part of me, whenever I, Ajani asks me to read something, he doesn't always share, but when he does, um, part of me is like hunting to see if there's anything specific. That is in reference to me, <laughs> like if there's a character that's, you know, doing some awful thing or something like that. I'm like, part of me is like, is, is he talking about me? <laughs> is this describing me? <laughs> yeah, but I do that. It, um, it, it could be. <laughs> I mean, I think it's just for. I don't know why. Like, I, I know it's okay if you if you do that to if you create a character out of my deficiencies and stuff like that. But I think. I don't know. I just want to what? see if I'm that that special. <laughs> <laughs> that I write about you. Yeah. yeah, I write it. I write what I know. I think that's what a lot of people do. They write what they know. Definitely, so, I think writing as well. Uh, writing as well is really good because it's it's a good way to kind of detach from the emotion whilst you write. Mm-hmm. Because when you speak to somebody face to face, the emotion is there. It's right there in front of you, and it's got to be dealt with. Whereas when you write, you can deal with the emotions in your own time, on your own terms, um, mm. rather than have it bubble up and, and blow up in somebody's face. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Like I, <laughs> I feel like um, I, I don't share a lot of my writings with people, but maybe that's because I'll write a short story or something and just be like, okay, I deal with those emotions, I try to put it here, you know, maybe I can just kind of hide it away now. <laughs> Done with that situation. <laughs> That's one thing that I've struggled with Ajani is to, to have him share his writing because he doesn't he doesn't always want to share or he doesn't feel like it's good enough or it's finished. Well, so, Adam, do you feel like what you some of the things that you write are like diary entries <laughs> or just just too personal to share with other people? Um, so I do. I have um, just a regular journal. Um, that I keep with me, that I write sort of the specifics down about um, of my life, and that's something that I don't don't tend to show people. Um, although I am trying to be a bit more open about things within within the blog, there are um, there are moments where you know it's possibly not best to go into detail. You know, I wouldn't um, express the exact relationships that I've had. Because if that person read them, they they could potentially think that I'm absolutely bonkers. Um, you know, mm-hmm. which I actually have absolutely been used to crazy ex-girlfriend. Um, <laughs> sort of few days. And I love that show. The moments where she doesn't want to tell somebody the truth because it makes her look kind of crazy. There are times where sometimes you don't want to let those things out. Um, mm-hmm. All those feelings. But I think there are certain things that are good and healthy to say. And an express. So I'm trying to be a bit more open um, with what's happening. Just maybe not be specific about people. 
Yeah, I I think in the past I've been seen as maybe clingy or um, like wanting attention or something. So I, I kind of feel like I, I keep myself, my, my stuff to myself to keep from feeling that way. Because um, I kind of feel like if I share it with other people... That, that definitely opens it up for criticism and not everyone is going to like what you're doing. <laughs> and my feelings will get hurt. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, it's, it's understandable. I, I think it's probably best to, best to get out though because it's like exposure to the kind of rejection and rejection is part of life. You know, it's something that you need to kind of yes. to an extent get used to. Yes. I mean, I, I guess if you say so. <laughs> Listen to the man. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody should be rejected. I think everybody should, you know, be accepted. But okay. <laughs> what kind of world is this? <laughs> yeah, that's how. I, that's exactly how I look at it. Is that that was one thing that in college was ingrained in us is that you know not everybody's gonna like your work, and you just kind of have to suck it up and deal with people not liking it it's okay if they don't like it there's going to be other people that will like it and i think it's just difficult with that self-assurance you know yes yeah i can understand that with self-assurance and the confidence that you know you kind of have to build up and how it can get knocked down when somebody doesn't share the passion or your vision well it it hurts a, a lot more when you know what it took to compose something mm -hmm. and it really means something to you. Um, and then if somebody just, you know, reads in there, it's like, I, I don't get it. I don't, yeah. I don't, you're like, what? but see, that's, they're just one person. Yeah. There's millions of others that may like it. And so, but what you that kind of rejection and abandonment, and you, like you said before, putting yourself out there in, in what you write. Can, it can definitely be taken very personally um, thinking that somebody doesn't like you because they don't like what you've written because it is a piece of you it's a part of you that you've let out and you've shared and you've shown your vulnerability mm. yeah that's very true mm -hmm. and see that's why I don't like criticizing your work <laughs> <laughs> he'll ask me he'll write something he's like okay Christian can you, can you critique this for me and just tell me what you feel and I'm like no but I need, I, like I need, I need, <laughs> I need criticism to make it better. But then, when someone says something, I'm just like, "But I, okay. I mean, I don't know. I just <laughs> pretty sure I wrote it perfectly the first. I don't like to revise. Like I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't like to go back. I'm just like I wrote it good the first time. If I revise, I'm like deleting stuff and getting rid of it. You're, you're making it better because you're making it more concise to what you're trying to feel make it or feel um one thing that i really would like to go back to talk to discuss is um your coming out story adam okay i thought that was really interesting i love hearing coming out stories because i think you know they're all unique in their own little ways and i don't know i, I think it's probably just because we're gay <laughs> you just love the drama we, yeah <laughs> <laughs> drama <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I love it too. You know, it, it, it lets it opens a piece of somebody to you, um, like for real. But it's like everybody, as you said, is unique, and everybody's got their own story. Um, and it's 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 like the the mental health thing as well. It's like knowing that somebody else has gone through a struggle similar to what you've gone through. So right. It makes it kind of easier, you know. Right. Yes. So um, Adam was telling us that. Um, he actually was didn't have a the opportunity to come out on his own terms, which is something that uh, I can't imagine, and it being so hard to deal with at the time. But um, why don't you expand on it? <laughs> um, yeah, so when I was, I think I was almost 13, um, I fell for a guy that was a bit older than me, um, and... I always found it a lot easier to write down my feelings and, and express them through writing as opposed to sharing them person to person. Um, you know, it's, it's difficult to control control the emotion inside you in a moment when you've got mental health conditions. So I found it easier to write it down. And I wrote him a, a love letter and, and posted it through his door. 
Um, and then the next day, people started acting a bit weird in school around me. Um, and I didn't kind of know what was up, but I just felt this, this overwhelming dread inside me. Um, mm-hmm. And over here, we have like a, a homeroom, like a, your registration class. Right. And then you go off to your classes when you're in, in sort of high school. Yes. Um, and I remember mm-hmm. being in, in the registration class and somebody shouting something. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a derogative term for being gay. Mm. Um, and the feeling just swamped me, that cold kind of wave of fear just kind of uh, yeah. over me. Um, and I just, I, I just, I didn't know what to do. Um, obviously all these emotions flooding my body, I didn't have a, a moment to think. And mm-hmm. it kind of, I'd found out later that he, he told my best friend from school, who told his best friend, who is my worst enemy. Um, mm-hmm. And kind of from that moment, um, you know, it was kind of like people walking down the corridors with their backs turned away from me, mm-hmm. um, chatting songs, singing things, people saying names. I actually had a fight in school um, with a boy over my sexuality. Um, you know, I, it, it was it was difficult. Um, there was definitely people, one or two people in school that were camping than me that got sort of names called to them, but I was the only one that was like affirmed as being out mm. and gay mm-hmm. um, in school. So it made it very difficult. Um, but where I'm from, there's also a lot of, or there used to be, I, I, it's not quite as bad now, um, there used to be a lot of discrimination for anything. I mean, we only had a handful of people that were from different different ethnic cultures mm. within our era school, um, or even within our school. We had like two, 3,000 people in school. So it just wasn't something we really saw on a regular basis. Right. Somebody was different. They were kind of really pulled out. Uh, yeah. That was, uh, that sounds horrible. I, you know, I, I, thinking back, I'm like, that's one of the, that's one of the worst fears that I had in high school. Around, in, yeah, in middle school and high school age. Because I kind of started figuring things out in middle school. Well, in middle school, I realized that I was looking at guys more without really knowing what it meant to be gay or anything like that. I didn't really know. Because they yeah. just never discussed at home. So, yeah, in high school, when I finally realized it and I, I just didn't want to accept it, that was one of my worst fears was to be called, you know, to be identified and then be made fun of or targeted. Because I grew up in a small town as well where there wasn't much diversity. The only diversity really there was was, um, well, we had a couple of exchange students now that I'm thinking back, but it didn't feel very diverse. <laughs> you know, it was mostly white, white students and then a few black students here and there. Um, I was one of a handful. When I f- first moved to Georgia um, in sixth grade, I was, I think, one or maybe two or three other kids that were Hispanic out of the whole middle school. And then over time, it, it, the population changed a little bit, but I just felt really isolated. So I, that was like mortifying to me. Somebody would find out and then... I would get targeted because I, I would see that for other kids who are a little bit like I felt like I was like down the middle as far as my femininity, my femininity and the way that I carried myself. But part of it was because I was so dang focused on not showing it. Like I remember in college, like I struggled. I, I went through a really rough time because half of my like mental capacity was going towards making sure that I sat a certain way, that I walked a certain way, that I reduced my mannerisms with like, I, sometimes I talk a lot with my hands. So all of those little details that you do subconsciously that you don't really think about, I was concentrating so bad on them to make sure that I didn't quote unquote act gay or, <laughs> you know, this stuff yeah. that would perceive me to be because I was so paranoid about somebody finding out. Um, so it's... That's a... <clears throat> like from... It was rough. For me, from uh, elementary and middle school, people were always uh, 
calling me gay and saying, <laughs> my, uh, my grandma would always be like, stop walking like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I would, he would walk with a swish. Yeah. Walk with like a little swish, I guess. And my grandpa, stop walking like that. And my, um, I would play with my sister's Barbies and my grandma would be like, don't, don't do that. You know, you're not supposed to do that. I'm like, okay, let me go play with my action figures because it's different. (laughs) (laughs) It's different if I play with men with muscles. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I just remember everybody saying little things to me about being gay. Um, I think I've like since fifth grade, they would joke on me about that kind of stuff. And then Mm. through middle school. So I would try to um, date girls. Um... Like write write them little notes and just be like you know do you like me? Here's a box for yes. Here's one for no. And then sometimes they would just kind of write in maybe and then check the maybe box. <laughs> I mean everyone like, knows maybe's a no. They're but... like maybe, but you seem a little gay. Yeah. So. <laughs> I had a lot of friends that were girls. I had a lot, <laughs> I had a lot of potential girlfriends. Uh, but yeah, I, I was just I I I think I. Well, I was I was sure. I, I always knew I was gay. I just didn't want other people calling me gay and making me feel weird about it, you know? Yeah. So I, I was just, whatever. But when I got to high school, I just, um, after I told somebody and I came back to school and everybody knew, I was just like, okay, whatever. You know, I, um, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I don't think there was a lot of bullying or anything because. Because of you being gay? Yeah, I think I, um, I had, <laughs> I think the girls all liked me. I think that's what it was. Like, the girls were all excited to have a gay friend. Girls love having a gay yeah. friend. <laughs> that's definitely a case. Have you seen the film, um, is it GBF? Yeah, Gay Best Friend. Yeah, I oh, I love that. seen it. I love that movie. That film is about the fact that the, the girls love the fact that there's a gay guy in school because he's their best friend. <laughs> Yeah, they have like the the Christian girl and the um, you know that's like funny because three different popular girls. I think it's really in high school when I was super worried about that, um, I did get a couple of guys that would like reference me being gay or something. I can't remember or like they would pick on me or something. And then I was really close friends with this cheerleader, and then her best friend, which was another, she was more of a um, she was a little bit more nerdy. I think she was like the high school, the the, pre, the class president or something. And then so these, I guess, um, girls that were in high stature and amongst the society of high school. <laughs> and they would stick up for me. They would, you know, when they would see that, they would tell off the guys to leave me alone. And I, didn't, I haven't really thought about that, but mm-hmm. most of my friends were, were girls as well. What about you, Adam? Did you have mostly girlfriends, or did you have guy friends as well? Um, so I kind of i did have I did have girlfriends in school, not like girlfriend girlfriends, but friends yeah. who were girls. Yeah. Um, and I had I had guy friends as well. Um, I used to be quite a a bit of a sort of skater kids, listen to kind of grungy music, go to the skate park, hang out, drink. Um, oh. Grungy music like Avril Lavigne. <laughs> Shut up. Sorry. <laughs> I was saying grungy music like Avril Lavigne. Uh, yeah, or like even even sort of more, a bit more hard form than that. Um, <laughs> things like oh Metallica, Blink One Eight Two, um, Charlotte. I suppose they're a bit poppier. Nirvana. Um, but kind of a range of mm-hmm. yeah, like the music and stuff, and like alternative music. Um, but I, I always struggled to connect with people. Um, I would make these friendships and they wouldn't last. It's not that they wouldn't last very long, but very quickly they would kind of move on to other people. Mm. Um, and then there were people that you would make friends with and they turned out to be, um, I, I would always wear my heart on my sleeve and put myself out there. Um, but I found a lot of people to be quite rude. There was, um, a night where I went to a party when I was 15. Um, and I got, I got unbelievably wasted um i drank like three pints of spirits like just oh mixed gosh. spirits um and then ended up on the floor just completely out of it um and one of the punk kids that used to hang about the skate park with us he was being quite friendly with me that day um because i was gay said 
you need to get out of the bathroom while I pee, or I'm going to knee drop you in the face. Wow. And then he did. He dropped his knee into my face um, and chipped, chipped a, an already chipped tooth. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, but I don't remember any of it because I was that drunk. I oh. just woke up and was just so over. I don't even remember. It was so bad. Um, but yeah, he knocked out kind of half of my tooth. Wow. Um, yeah. There was there was some violence, but then there was other times where like you know there was there was girls that he's talking about with in school, and if they saw guys kind of picking on me in school, they'd kind of chase them away a bit, but they they kind of like they kind of like flies when you kind of swat away flies and they kind of fly away a little bit, and then they're always still kind of buzzing around, <laughs> kind of like like scoot them away, but then as soon as the girls would leave, they'd just come flying back and they'd be there carrying on, you know? Mm. Yeah. And uh, question. So <laughs> over here, um, mm-hmm. the term gay is used in colloquialism. Okay. So like, um, usually in a negative context, but like if you don't like something, especially when I was younger anyways, people would say, oh, that's that's really gay, that's so gay. Right. Over there. Uh, similar. Uh, I think it was most, uh, it's mostly for the, a couple of years back, it was more popular to say that. But I think most people have moved on. There's still a few stragglers that yeah. use it. Uh, with a negative connotation, like it just exactly like that, where yeah, if they don't like it, but I try like... to, I, I um, actually call them out. So I had a, a coworker of mine not too long ago, a couple of maybe weeks or months. We were, there was a communication. We were talking something about work, and my coworker said, "Oh, that's okay." <laughs> and yeah. I, I turned to him and I was like, "Excuse me," and. And he was like, oh, I mean, you know, that's just dumb. I was like, oh, there you go. Good good job on using your vocabulary. Pick your words. I was just like, yeah, so, I mean, that, I think it's dumb. People just, I'm like, use your vocabulary. You have a very rich vocabulary where you can be more precise in what you mean. Yeah. Um, so I call it out nowadays, but... Um, of course, now I'm older and I'm a lot more. What do you? How do you say? Comfortable in my own skin and and calling out that sort of shit. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the bullying kind of stopped me from playing the rugby for a long time. Um, I was kind of so when I first started playing rugby, I was 11 years old, um, and I used to bully. I used to get bullied being fat. Because um, he used to be quite a big kid, mm. which is very, very bizarre for rugby because, you know, you see, uh, do you watch rugby on TV and stuff? Rugby is not very popular here. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I know what it is. <laughs> well, and also I'm not a very much of a sports guy. The The only sport that I really got into are soccer or, you know, football and yeah. um, tennis. Okay. Um, well, rugby is not the most popular over here, but it is, it is quite a popular sport. It's getting, it's getting bigger. Um, I think it actually is getting bigger in America. I know quite a few people who play rugby in America. Yes, um, yeah. Kind of the rugby stuff we do. Um, but there's guys of all shapes and sizes play rugby because you've got to have um, a heavy front row. You've got to have really tall second rows. This is all people in the scrum and stuff. And then your backs are usually quite slight, but they're usually fast. Mm. Um, some of them bigger than others. So you, you get people of all different shapes and sizes. Nice. It's very odd to get for being kind of fat and rugby yeah uh, but then coming to terms with my own sexuality as well before i was kind of forced out um i started to feel really uncomfortable in changing rooms uh-huh um getting changed with other guys because of obviously worrying what they might say and stuff right um so for many years i just kind of stopped playing i didn't really get involved and obviously after I, after i was forced out being gay um i stopped kind of going to pe i stopped going to changing rooms at all because of the bullying mm. um so it wasn't until I was like 21 that I started playing again uh, when I was at university. But I always felt this connection to rugby and it just it felt right to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it was about it, but it just felt good to be, to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I first started back, I didn't come up to the team at uni because I was, again, I was still worried that people would be a bit awkward about it. Um, so I kind of kept myself to myself. And then when I moved home, um, I started playing after university back for a team at home. Um, again, I tried to keep it quiet, and I don't—I don't know why. I just like again, I had this kind of fear and dread that people were going to treat me the way that I'd been treated in school. Mm-hmm. This is kind of like what, six 
years on from finishing school. Um, I was like 22, and I was out with a, a few friends from rugby, um, and there was a girl out there I knew through sort of social circles, um, and she made a comment about a guy, and kind of looked at me, and I kind of looked at her with that fearful look in my eyes of, why did you just say that? Um, <laughs> And I was just like, I just it, again, it just kind of happened. And I was like, right, okay, I need to leave now. So I kind of left. Um, <laughs> or I kind of tried to ignore it. And then we left not long after. And the next day, I kind of sat next to my phone, waiting for it to ping from these guys from rugby that were kind of stood around while we were talking. Mm-hmm. And, like, dreading the thought of what was going to come through. Um, and I think, I can't remember if I got a text or I called one of them. And I was just, like, chatting about the night. And I was like, so, so did you hear? And they were like what about you being gay? And I was like, yeah. Um, and they're like, yeah, we were kind of like, we kind of like rang each other on the way home. We were like, I didn't even know, like, why mm-hmm. is he said anything? Kind of thing. So it was kind of comfortable. Like, they, they didn't they didn't make a deal out of it. They weren't like, kind of making a problem out of it. Yeah. So it was the first time I kind of, probably truly felt relatively accepted about my sexuality mm-hmm. in kind of that environment, which was a very good feeling, you know. Um, but my coach then found out who uh, he's a bit of a tough he's a bit of a tough guy. Um, I had absolute fear of him, um, <laughs> but it was it was he was a really nice guy at the same time. And when he found out, um, we were on a different night out, and he decided to drag us to a strip club to go and watch oh, ladies strip. Um, and that was one of the funnest nights out I had with the rugby guys um, from home because they were just. They were just so understanding, and he got up on the bus on the way back from um, a game that we played, which is about a two a two hour drive, um, and just basically announced it in front of everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, I was dreading, I was dreading oh, speaking. Cause I, um, and he was just kind of like, so just like you all know, Adam's gay, and I was like, cool, this is awkward. Now. <laughs> oh my god! Like, if you have a problem with it, um, and he kind of like looked them all like dead in the eyes, like one by one. And they were all just kind of like, no. And it was like, good, because if any of you just did, I'd kick you off the bus right now and you'd be walking home. <laughs> we're about an hour and a half drive away from, from home. Um, and then and then we all kind of just carried on drinking and buying you know, the bus and stuff. Oh, that's, um, that's nice. <laughs> so it was a really sweet, yeah, it was a really sweet feeling. You know, rugby kind of gave me that family, um, out with my own family, the chosen family that you, you know, you can choose and look right. out mm-hmm. for you. Um, which is kind of where a lot of my inspiration came from starting the team to give that back to people that were going through the same kind of feelings and the same mm. worries and, and perceived kind of barriers. Because, you know, a lot of it was my own perception, but it's still a barrier. And right. It prevented me from going back, you know? Yeah. Speaking of family, it's uh, how's your family about it? My family are okay. Um, my family are, are quite good. My Mum was amazing. Um, when I <laughs> when I told her, she just started asking loads of questions like, "Why haven't you told me sooner? Who are you dating? What's going on?" <laughs> Usual mum stuff, and she's she's like the proudest mum in the world. Like the, the way I kind of describe it to people is the mum from Queer as Folk. Like Aww. she is that. She will follow me with rainbow flags and a tinsel <laughs> wig. Oh my god! Shouting about how proud she is of me. Chris and I yeah. watched oh. watched all the episodes of Queer as Folk, and I what is her name? Um, it starts with a B. I can't remember. I, I cannot remember her name. Well, there's you know there's the there's the British version. Oh yeah, yeah. American oh my version. gosh. Was I think the the British version was did a little you, bit shorter, right? Did you watch both? Yeah, I've watched them both. I haven't seen the ending for the American one. I've only seen up to like I think season four or five. Okay. Um, <clears> but I've seen. The English one, and the English one's very bizarre. <laughs> it is, as you shorter, but I feel like it's a bit, maybe a bit more intense and less dramatic. Yeah, mm. it's like a one season, I think, one or two seasons. One season, I think it was like a final hour or two, long, two hour long episodes that was very like they fly away to the sunset in a car, like kind of like Greece. Yeah. <laughs> it's very very odd, but it's, it was good. Um, but that's how I would kind of Debbie. That's her name. Yeah, Debbie. Is it Debbie? Right? Yes. <laughs> wow, you remembered. Wow, Chris. I loved her character. Yeah. I, when I was watching, because I was watching that shortly after I came out when I was still struggling uh, with accepting myself. And she was like a character that I always, 
hoped was kind of like, you know, I wish that was my mom or something yeah. like that. My yeah. mom struggled a little bit after I came out with coming to terms. For about six months, six to eight months, I think, it's when we had a really rough patch um, with just not very communicating. And she would say things that are kind of hurtful. Um, so I think that's what, around the time that I was watching that, that I kind of fell in love with that character. And I was like, I wish I had that. <laughs> but that's awesome yeah. that your mom was um, your little Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> What about your your dad? Was that uh, my dad was an interesting one. So um, my dad wasn't happy. It's not that he wasn't happy with my sexuality, um, but he wasn't happy because I'd been skipping school, mm. um, and he rang me from work. And my dad's very straight laced. Kind of, you don't do drugs. You don't get into trouble. You do your work. You do as you're told. <laughs> very right. Uh, that, yeah, he, he works in probation, so he works with people who've been in and, out, in and out of prison for all sorts of things. He's a very straight-laced man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember he rang me when I was on my way home from school one day. I, I was skipping school. I'd skipped all week. Um, oh. And <laughs> he decided to call me out on it. And I was walking up our street, um, and he was like, kind of getting head up, getting aggressive. Um, not aggressive in... in the normal sense, but his tone started getting aggressive, like trying to press it out of me as to why I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up just shouting at him, shouting it at him over the phone whilst walking up my street. Um, <laughs> and it just comes to us, that's no reason for skipping school. Um, and I was like, you don't know the hell that I go through at school. Um, and it was kind of a, a catalytic moment from a school life because it was the moment that my parents kind of realized that I was struggling in school because of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to school after that and spoke to the headmaster and I had words with my form tutors and things like that. Um, but it was the kind of the moment where it became very apparent that I was having a rough time because of it, um, which wasn't, wasn't great. Um, but my dad's kind of concept behind it was very much just we keep our business to ourselves. You don't tell anyone. Um, so, you know, he didn't, he didn't tell his family much i think a few of them knew but not all of them um mm-hmm. you know when his friends would come around you wouldn't talk about it mm-hmm. um and it was kind of that quiet it's where it's where my, my grandma had brought him up you know you you deal with your own problems you don't share them right. we are men we are strong we are you know in the situation and then 10 years after i came out he came out to me came out to you yeah as in that he's gay as well yeah. Wait, wait, hold oh on, wait, hold God. on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. Your, your dad came out to you? Yeah, my dad came out to me. Oh, my God. Your dad who has sex with your mom to have you? Oh, God. I, yes. Oh, okay, I just, meant, I just want to clarify. <laughs> wow, that's, that's, wow. This is like straight out of a melodrama. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. What? Yeah, so at the age of 55, he came out. Um, he was living with a guy who we, we kind of had inklings and kind of knew they were together. Um. He's, he's a bit more, I suppose, flamboyant than I am. There's a lot of people made fun in school because he's a bit more flamboyant. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he, he came out sort of 10 years after I did and my sis, he told my sister that he found a lot of security and solace in me coming out for him to come out. Oh. Wait, um, so how I, long have the, had your parents been uh, separated before he did they, that? They separated when I was probably, I think, about 10. Okay. Um, um, and I came out when I was 20, I want to say 24, 25. Okay. Um, so about 15 years. I've seen him go into relationships with people since um, since my mom. Um, at the moment, been through relationships. And then sort of, he got this friend who he used to go and stay with and would stay with us. And then eventually they kind of were living together. Um, and yeah, it's kind of, we knew something was coming and we kind of knew, but... We also didn't think he'd ever say, and then he did, and we were just like, what? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was really sweet. It was, it was actually a really inspiring moment seeing right. him come out. Because, uh... obviously, I dealt with my coming out, and being on the end where you're actually having to come out, you kind of feel that weight lift, that yeah. sort of... One of you had said in the previous podcast, that, you know, you, and you said earlier about trying to hide who you are. 
for a lot of time mm-hmm. um, and kind of feeling that weight lift in yourself is an amazing feeling um, being able to be open and honest yes. but then watch somebody else go through that yes. um, especially after that many years like you know such a such an amazing thing to see like your shoulders kind of dropped and he kind of just looked more relaxed and calmer and he's yeah. been a lot more positive since he did come out he still obviously has negativity and I think that's just kind of you know he's probably got a lot situations of situations having to have lied to himself for so long but yeah yeah it was really inspiring to see him kind of lose a lot of that and be a bit more open with himself that's wonderful yeah yeah I'm, yeah, I'm sure he's inspired by you and, Definitely, you know? yeah, talking about, you know, it, there's, said, oh, I'm sorry, look, I was going to say, <laughs> there's just, um, it's undescribable for me, t- the feeling of living your own truth and like accepting who you are and then just, uh, you know, without any regrets or without any, um, negative, I, 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 yeah, negative feelings towards yourself, just living your own truth. Like just the the feeling that you get from that, it's to me it's indescribable. But but it's similar to how you described it, um, Adam. The you know just your the not I guess the physical characterization of you know dropping your shoulders and being able to feeling lighter, and um, and you know I guess I, I'm thinking back and like being able to finally walk. As I'm walking forward with my face held up high without always feeling like I'm walking around with shame, always looking down at the at the floor as I walk, you know? Yeah, like control. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's such a wonderful um, story. Oh. Wow, that's that like was amazing. Full circle. I <laughs> know, <laughs> right? <clears throat> uh, I think, well, I don't know. Okay, so my um, my father, I have my birth father and my mom separated when I was like one or two. I think one. And so we when we moved to the States, he didn't keep contact with me. We didn't talk for years until I was in college. Then he, all of, out of the blue, started contacting me. And... It was super awkward because, of course, he's never been in my life, and then he wanted to be part of it. But I was giving him the opportunity to do that, so I would accept his calls, and we would talk, and it would be awkward, but he it seemed like he was making an effort. Then, so this was before, I think before I had came out, or right around the time when he was contacting me again. So then a couple of months passed. I came out. Um, whoa. Frida. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was a cat. <laughs> um, so a couple of months passed. And then my mother told him that I was gay because she asked me if I wanted, if I was going to tell him. I was like, no, he's not in my life. He's not part of my life. So I don't want to deal with that right now. She's like, well, do you mind if I tell him? I was like, no, that's fine, too. So she told him and then he got, you know, super pissed and told my mom it was her fault and this and that. And then he just stopped calling me altogether. And I've always wondered, maybe because um, because my mom told me that when they were together, he was always a womanizer. He was always trying to get, you know, different women and things like that. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I wonder if, you know, maybe he's secretly gay and he's using that as a way to... Um, throw it off. Validate his sexuality and make himself feel accepted and welcome. Right. I know. Wow. <laughs> Some people do that for their for their entire life, but that, that must have been really tough. Well, you know, by the time by that time came around when he stopped calling, it was I felt a little hurt because I was like, "Wow, this is the second time he's abandoned me." But at the same time, my mom took it a lot harder. She would cry, yeah. and I think it was because she saw that. I don't know, maybe that that I was finally getting a father figure or, you know, that father figure was coming into my life to be part of it and then for him yeah. to walk out again. And then I guess also because he blamed her for, for me being gay. Um, yeah. I remember telling her, you know, it's not your fault. This is not something that you did, anything that you did or anything. And 
I'm like, why, why is he blaming her? Because he, he had to, he like, I guess, you know, I don't know why. Don't process it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, um, can't process it else. he what? If you can't process it, a lot of people tend to put it on somebody else. Right. And assign blame. So, you know, I'm like, he wasn't part of my life before. Even while he was talking, he wasn't part of my life. It's been awkward. So, like, there's, I'm like, I'm not losing out on anything, you know? <laughs> it's, my, my life is going just back to the way it was before, a couple of months ago. Because so. it would just be more awkward conversations, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, I wouldn't have mind having conversations if you wanted to talk about it. But for him to just walk right out, it's, it was like, mm, it made it a little bit easier, I guess, yeah. you know? Because I didn't, yeah. at least it was close enough to the point where I was still keeping him at bay. Because, um, I, he wasn't part of my life. It, I, I felt like, I think it would have been worse for me if I had let him in completely and let him be part of my life and accepted him as that yeah. figure in my life. And then to, for it to ha- that happen, then that probably would have been worse. So... Excuse me. Anyways, that was a sad story. Let's go back to your dad. <laughs> <laughs> so does he have a um, a partner now? He does, yeah. They've been together for longer than I've had a relationship ever. Um, <laughs> they've been together for, I want to say, like five, six years. Okay. Um, they both have kids. Um, they go on holiday a lot, and they send Snapchats, and I get really jealous. Father of the son. Oh, uh, wow. But it's cute. It's nice to see my dad kind of eventually happy. Mm-hmm. Might take him a time and a big journey, but it's it's good to see him happy and, you know, living his best life. Mm-hmm. Does, um, how, how is your family with your mental illness? Um, they're, they're okay. I mean, my mum... My mum is worried. My mum is always worried, um, but she's extra worried with everything that's kind of going on. Um, like, I've always kind of held my mum as a bit of a rock, so she's kind of always been there. And the rest of my family have, but um, my mum's the one that I've confided in the most with. Um, my dad is, again, because of the, the generation that he grew up with and the way that his kind of mum was, it's kind of not something that he's very good at dealing with. Mm-hmm. At the moment, I'm educating him as much as possible, um, but he doesn't fully understand, and he's kind of one of those people that kind of says, you know, just shake, shake yourself out of it, you know, it's only a bit of depression, smile, get over it. Right. Um, <laughs> but he is, he is learning that it's a lot more than, than what he thinks. Um, mm. My sisters are phenomenal. Um, one of my sisters has um, mental health problems, and she takes tablets. Um and my other sister, as far as I'm aware, doesn't. Or as far as we're aware in terms of diagnosis, she doesn't. Um, but we definitely think she had a bit of postnatal um, after she had a, her, her child. Mm. Um, she was very, she's acting very odd, shall we say. Um, but they're both very, very understanding. She deals with anxiety. And, you know, whenever I've, I'm having a rough day, um, that kind of, my sisters are there to text and, my older sister will usually give me techniques to try and calm down. My twin sister will usually just kind of talk to me and ask me to open up and speak to her, um, which is really good. Oh, wait, did you say twin sister? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> wow, that is so cool. That's... I have a twin sister, and my mom's also a twin. Oh my gosh. Jeez. <laughs> Are you guys, uh, well, you're not identical twins, sorry. <laughs> Paternal? We're definitely not identical, but we definitely share. Like, um, So, you know what people say there's like a psychic link between twins? Yeah. It's definitely something there. Really? Um, she, she tends to know. It's, it's been a while um, since she has, but she usually tends to know when there's something up. Um, and I know the same quite often with her. Um, and when she was pregnant, I, 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 I am convinced I got. Um, Oh, what you call it? What you call it? Morning sickness? No, I got like really, really bad heartburn when she was getting heartburn. Like sympathetic oh. heartburn. <laughs> yeah. And like I, I'd never had heartburn before in my life. And I just suddenly woke up this one morning and I couldn't eat anything cherry. Because anything that I ate or drank that had cherry in it just gave me the worst heartburn. And whenever I was 12, <laughs> I would wake up and feel like I was going to spew. Um, oh my and gosh. It, it 
it was intense. And then I remember bringing her one day and just being like, you know, chatting away and just being like, I had this really intense heartburn for like days and it just won't go away. And she was like, so am I. And I was like, right, okay. And then like, she was like, by, by the way, um, you've got a nephew on the way. I was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, is this why I've been receiving heartburn? Is this what you have done to me? Thank you, thank you very much. Um, it's what your nephew yeah, so did to like Definitely think there's a link somewhere. Oh, that's cool. I've always wanted to be part of a twin. That was one of my dreams. I'm sorry, Chris, it's too late. The time has passed. <laughs> <laughs> it either happens or it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's 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 good to hear. I feel like um I mean with especially with mental illness, family plays a big part in in your well being and being able to get through some of those hard times. Yeah. Yeah. I rely a lot on Ajani's sister. Um, she kind of, I, I, I t- it's like I tell her, she has a way of reaching him when he's in one of those super stressed out or um, just in a, not in a very good place. She has she, a way to reach him that I just can't. Because she doesn't deal with, with bullshit. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I'll, I'll be like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just... Oh, I, I, you know how I am. Yeah. <laughs> when, he's in, when he, he, when he's going through his black and white thinking, yeah, I'm just like everyone hates me. This person hates me because of this. She, she's just like, all right, stop. Nobody hates because of this. Blah blah blah. <laughs> like she's just like I, you're, you're thinking like no, <laughs> like she's. I, I can't See, even do what she does. Okay, well, I tried <laughs> just, doing that. Like yeah. I picked up on her technique, and I tried, and I tried being like you know, just calling you out for it. But you don't respond the same way to me when I call you out than when you when your sister calls you out. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't I don't know what it is when um... when I try to you know when I try to tell Ajani that he's doing black and white thinking and that you know what he's what he's feeling is not a hundred percent accurate or what's actually happening. Um, he just tries to pick a fight with me about it instead of... It's harder for you, though, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it's harder for you because you can leave. Hmm. I would, I would find it because my sister can't leave. Yeah. Like, she's... Like, I'm not worried about... I'm not worried about thinking about her and thinking about what I say and what she says. So, I'm not going to argue with her because I think, like you said in the previous podcast about pushing people away before you get pushed away. Mm-hmm. The argument begins because it's like, well, you're gonna if I if I let my true feelings through, or if I share my truth, then you may walk away. So just argue and push you away, and it's easier than dealing with the hurt yourself. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> I guess maybe over time, and once the couple years down the road. You'll start seeing like, it as a permanent really part of your life. Really? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, that, that sounds like it makes know. sense. Yeah. So maybe, you know, like once we're longer in our relationship and you feel more like I'm more of a permanent part of your life. I feel like you are a permanent part. Well, I mean, you can know, you can think that and know that in your head, you know, and but then emotionally it's harder to see that i read a really interesting article the other uh, maybe like a week or two ago about reassuring people with bpd um which was quite interesting it's very like reassure them reassure them again make sure that they are reassured and then share love mm-hmm. it's very bizarre because it's it is that way where somebody can tell you everything's fine and that you're okay and you just kind of sit there and the thoughts are still going you still swell and kind of go nope very true yeah i mean it takes a lot to convince myself um that certain things i'm telling myself aren't true does that make sense like sometimes i'll I'll, um lie to myself i guess or just see what i want to see paranoia yeah (laughs) just see what i want to see or hear what i want to hear and just have it in my mind and don't want to let it go but 
Yeah. I can't I can't do it un- unless I want to do it. Like everyone around me can tell me what to do, but it's not going to happen unless I want to do it. Like one day you'll want to do it, the next day you just like, no. That's how it is. Feel so good about this. That's how it is having BPD. <laughs> Chris, you're so yeah. lucky. <laughs> I always found the uh, the paranoid delusions are probably the the most difficult part because it was it was what made me feel crazy because I didn't know what was real and what wasn't because mm. it felt so real. Yeah. And it was just it was the, the very intense. I mean, I know everybody's is kind of everybody's is different, um, but the paranoia, the paranoia was very, very, very prevalent for me. Yeah, I'm. I'm still struggling with with that from time to time, but I just have to try to ground myself in some kind of reality. Just remind myself to just sort of think a little bit more if 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 what I think is is really going on, or if it could be something else. You know, to give it a chance <laughs> to be more yeah. open. But did you want to um, say anything before we go, Adam? Um, I mean, I would definitely tell people to check out um, check out the blog. Yeah, uh, BPD. Like as I said, uh, BPD brilliant proceed differently. Word WordPress dot com. Um, yeah. And to share the stuff that we do, um, I think, you know, your, your, your guys' show has been very, very inspiring for me. Um, and it's, it's definitely taught me a lot about the fact that I'm not alone um, on this journey. And, you know, there are other people out there. And I think it's been amazing just having, having that thought there, even when things are getting very dark, there's still that, that kind of light that, you know, there are other people feeling the same. Um, and it's great to have that shared with other people because if I hadn't found stuff like this, I probably would have had a, a bit more of a rougher time not understanding and not knowing what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think share all of the BPD stuff that you can. I recently joined that um, We're Warriors on Facebook mm-hmm. um, after the, the memes yeah. episode. Oh. <laughs> okay. it's, it's good. It's good. I like it. Um I listened to a few different podcasts with different kind of. I think I've I've done a review of a few um, in one of my posts as well. Uh, but I think I, I just want to say that definitely you, your guys is, is the best that I've come across. Um, <laughs> it's got. I think the the only the only thing it's kind of um, I would say lacking it is not necessarily that it's lacking it. I don't know if it needs it or not. Um, was more of like a a psychological side. So maybe like research into the psychology and stuff um mm. because i the, the things i looked for with the, the comedy factor and i think you guys' episodes are hilarious sometimes um some of the humor that comes through the truth of, of the condition and what it's like um the lived experience is definitely a key one um but the only other thing i kind of looked for was that kind of psychological side you know, right. the, 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 the inner workings of why these things happen mm-hmm. um and you know what what has what has triggered certain situations and what has triggered certain sort of um, symptoms within you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... That's what, something that I've wanted to work on. What we want to do <laughs> is we have a, a friend who's a psychologist and we wanted to get her on an episode or two. Um, but yeah, definitely going behind like the psychological things, doing a little bit more research with that. Well, I, thank you for that uh, little tidbit. That criticism. Thank you. <laughs> you know how much I love criticism. Always. <laughs> how dare you? <laughs> no, it was a pleasure. Oh, it would be, be an interesting turn, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much, Adam, for being on this episode. Yeah, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you a little bit. I feel like you should have a, a blog and a podcast, too. <laughs> no, I actually did do a podcast. Yeah, you should do that. Should I? Um, I, I, as I said, I would, I'm kind of a part time at the moment, so I've got a lot of time on my hands. Um, yeah, I might have a look. I might have a look into it. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. We'll have you back on when you do. Yeah, yeah. keep us updated. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, you too. And thank you very much for, for talking through some things and, and listening to me and 
share my stuff. But of yeah, course. No, it's, been, it's been great. Yes, thank you for, uh, so much for sharing. So, guys, we, we'll, we'll talk to you <laughs> next week um, with another episode. Next Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> All right, bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us this Sunday. Follow us on our Facebook group and Instagram for more behind the scenes. If you like the episode, why not help AJ and Chris reach more people and leave an iTunes review to help others discover the podcast. Together, we can defeat mental health stigma.